Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Charge Health Podcast. I'm Daniel Ford and I'm bringing you some of the best health information from all over the internet, focusing on nutrition, exercise, mindset, and building your community around you. Our vision is for a healthy and vibrant community of people working together to achieve optimal health ongoing. On today's podcast, we have a pretty cool guest. We've got Fraser Beck from the Optimal Health Model, and he's going to be talking through some of his ideas and a few things that he's got going on with the Optimal Health Model, and it's some pretty interesting information. He digs really deep into breathing, fascial tissue, and understanding how your body is all interconnected and working within a system um, of things connecting right the way through from the soles of your feet and the arches of your feet all the way up into the top of your head and how everything connects together and the breathing and understanding how it all works can actually help you relieve pain, get rid of lower back pain, all that type of stuff. So enjoy. Yeah, so I'm here with Fraser Beck from the Optimal Health Model and he's just going to be talking a little bit about some of the stuff he's doing. Kilda Dan. Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, it's all good. Um, you know, you, you've explained a little bit about the Optimal Health Model and you're talking about things like fascial lines and you know your feet are lost and stuff like that. So you know, how did you end up... Mm. starting the optimal health model in the first place yeah so i've had an affinity for um the topic of breathing since about the age of 12 or 13. i was suffering from quite a lot of lower back pain and pain around the thoracic region as well so where's your thoracic region just for some of my uh so that's uh that's your around your heart space your chest pretty much uh mid spine um and then i was also getting referred pain down the especially the left side of my lower back, yeah. or your lumbar spine. Um, and I was referred to um, two physios, one chiropractor, and then a musculoskeletal specialist. His name was Steve Bentley. He's one of the, the leading musculoskeletalists. In order to even get that title, you've got to have three or four doctorates. So he's a pediatrician, obstetrician, etc. He's got a lot of different things going for him. Um, so a smart dude then, yeah. eh? <laughs> one of three in uh, the country, in New Zealand. And when I went to him at the age of 13, he uh, got me doing some diaphragmatic breathing and a couple of different um, ways of cueing me. He was putting two fingers beside my belly button, about two centimetres to the right of it, and applying pressure just behind my, uh, my earlobe. And we were doing some breathing exercises, and then when I walked out of the, the clinic for the first time in about six months of going through pretty kind of seven, eight, nine out of 10 pain, I walked out and I felt relief. I was like, I was quite amazed. So, so like, how how long you had this pain at that point? It, well, it had been getting really bad for about half a year. Because so I'd sort of been gone in like to the two physios, the cr- yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, agony for like six months. Yeah, and then... I was playing rugby and I had to stop for probably about three or four weeks in the middle of the season because the contact was just starting to get pretty bad. Um, yeah, it was one of the physios that gave me the diagnosis that I had um, Sherman's disease, which is an excessive um, kyphosis of your lumbar spine, or think of a think of a hunchback. <laughs> you look up Sherman's disease on Google, and that's pretty much what you see. So as a 13-year-old aspiring to be a professional athlete, it was quite. Um, and was it was it rugby your sport? Your yeah, at the time. For? Yeah, I was I was playing basketball as well, and basketball's now my main kind of sport. But at the time, rugby was probably more prominent. Yeah, pretty sort of standard for a New Zealand kid growing yeah, up, in it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then to hear them saying, like, oh, you're probably not going to be able to play contact sport. 
or you probably yeah like yeah, you've got this you've got a disease it's like whoa and that kind of it slaps you in the face and so, so you were 13 at the diagnosis yeah yeah probably started getting the pain around 12. so that's pretty um that's pretty intense for a 13 year old so especially with big dreams man like i i always um i always really aspired to to be a professional athlete or to be you know as any athlete does uh, the fastest, the strongest, you know, the best. You you want to climb and <laughs> progress. Yeah, like it's um, I can remember wanting to be professional soccer player. Unfortunately, I didn't really have the skill set to mm. um, make it in that arena. But you've got that, that drive. Yeah, that moment. Uh, I, was, I was about 15 or 16, and I kind of realised that you know this wasn't going to be my full-time career, like I'd believed up until that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um. It's a bit, a bit crushing those put, moments, eh? You put your heart and soul into things, eh? Especially as a kid, like you just follow your dreams. But um, so so since that diagnosis, like when you were thirteen, mm. like you know, you saw um, I forgot his name there, Steve Bentley. So you saw Steve Bentley. He helps kind of transform you within one session, and yeah. then I'm guessing some ongoing sort of support and yeah, help. Yeah, so I, I went to see him three or four times. He lived two two hours away from Invercargill, so I was born in the south of New Zealand, and Tiana's. A little bit um, north of there, so I'd drive up there maybe once a month, and I'd see him. He'd go through different exercises. And what um, type of exercises were you doing? Yeah, so it was it was very um, very small exercises when you'd be lying on your back, and kind of quadrupedal um, dead bug exercises. People know in the, in the fitness industry where you're moving one heel down to the ground and then lifting the leg back up to a the Swiss ball, and vice versa, other leg goes down. Back up to the Swiss so basically ball. lying on your back, sort of engaging all your core muscles, flattening your spine out, yeah. uh, synchronizing the breath with the movement. Yeah, kind of retuning your nervous system to, um, you know, remind your body you're supposed to be breathing with this movement, <laughs> which is something I think the majority of the populace, or the majority of all humans, start to lose when we um, sit. Yeah, we sit a lot. We sit from primary school, probably age five, six, seven. And then we sit at high school. Then we sit at intermediate school. Then we sit at university. And if you're lucky enough to get a job straight out of university, you sit, probably, you know, we're a little bit different being in the fitness industry. We're a bit more active. Uh, but not, not really though, like since I started working in a nutrition arena, like outside of the gym, like I'm probably on my ass most of the day. Yeah. And sitting, sitting bad posture, um, all those sort of some of those lumbar issues and like initially I didn't really think about it at all mm. but got some back issues and a bit of a sore back from sitting and so then I adapted my sort of home office to a standing desk which has helped um, relief yeah help relieve some of that pressure mm. and then you know just being a little bit more aware of things but I guess that kind of like neatly sort of jumps us forward a little bit to mm. some of the stuff you're doing with your breath now and your feet yeah. and things in terms of your optimal health method which um, yeah or optimal health model, sorry, which is a pretty cool little business. Which you're running through me some of these exercises. Could, do you want to just kind of delve into the yeah. optimal health model and how that works? Most definitely, yeah. So Steve kind of gave me the initial insight about how powerful breathing could be. Then I had three or four um, years up until my first year of university, pain-free. When I injured my ACL after first year of university, um, things really went back downhill. Um, and that kind of twisted my body out of alignment more so than I ever truly realised up until you know the last couple of years where I've 
when I think of um, figure this thing out, figure the body out. <laughs> um, you know, and I don't think it's one one method or one protocol that is the answer. It is a collaboration of all the experts in the world from you know, the chiropractors, the osteopaths, the musculoskeletal specialists. Um, Steve Bentley was doing a lot of developmental kinesiology uh, based off how the baby moves and how the neuromuscular system is facilitated when that baby's moving and how it kind of, um, it's, it sets you in the right direction for your movement patterns to progress until we start to sit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the optimal health model is effectively uh, a collaboration of understanding the fascial lines, and fascia is a big, big part of it. We'll delve more so, into it. So what, what exactly is fascia just for, yeah. for so like, the likes of me who's not quite as clued up in this stuff as you? Fascia is connective tissue. And if you... If you think of the body having four main ingredients, you've got muscles, bones, organs, and the stuff that connects it all. Yeah, and so that's so your fascia that holds that, everything that's together. That's your fascia. We're talking ligaments, tendons, pleura, you know, the visceral pleura around the organs, um, the you know the paratendons, the intermuscular um, sheaths, the, the neurovascular sheaths, the connective tissue that holds all your blood vessels, your nerves, um, it's, it's got the stuff called interstitial fluid which um, effectively transports messages and or nutrients around the body. Mm-hmm. Okay, so fascia... Um, Pretty can, crucial then. Yeah, it, it's massive and it's an emerging anatomical science and there's more and more people talking about it. Um, your fascia can be healthy or not healthy. Uh, healthy fascia is mobile, it's malleable, it's um, able to um, change position easily and it's, it's nice and hydrated. Unhealthy fascia is vice versa dehydrated and if you hold the fascia of your body in any one position for an extended period of time, it starts to stick itself in that position. So it's trying to help the body. It's trying to, okay, this position is what we're, we're in for the majority of time, so we're going to get strong in this position. So that's we're when gonna, you get sitting and kind of get yeah, locked up. Yeah. So we sit in chronic spinal flexion. We don't even know what, you know. So hunched, essentially. Yeah, we don't know what posture is. Well, the majority of us don't because, you know, our shoulders are kind of, they're always protracted they're always kind of rolled forward our necks are distended from looking at the computer screen or the or the game boy or the phone and the fascia starts to stick layers of collagen from you know your rib cage down onto your abdomen to hold yourself in that position then when you stand up you try to stretch it's like oh you try to take a big breath your rib cage can't expand because it's it's got these multiple layers of fascia so that have become stuck. So here's a, here's a question for you. So if we're, you think about like hydration and stuff, you talk about if you're dehydrated and stuff, your fascia gets less malleable and mm-hmm. it's more sticky basically, harder to move around. Mm. And so will that stiffen you up? Oh yes. Yeah, so if, you, if you're then like, I do this a lot with clients as we talk about hydration, you're just drinking water regularly and consistently mm-hmm. um, as a really good way to help you feel a little bit better, feel a bit more alert, a lot of mental clarity stuff. But oh, yeah. in terms of like your physical health, 
by adding a little bit more water into your diet and drinking a bit more water, can that help? Sort oh, of, yes. I guess, hydrate that fascia and release it and create more mobility for your body. Yes, to a degree. Like more water's, I th- you know, I think it's hard to drink too much water. I think everyone's going to benefit from drinking more water. But the thing is, except for when you miss all your appointments because you're in the bathroom, <laughs> just constantly pissing. I think before you have the ability to hydrate this fascia, you've got to unstick the layers. So if you've got three layers of you know muscle or connective tissue or layers of this fascia sticking together, then you need to first be able to mobilise it and get these layers moving and sliding, gliding on top of each other before the, the water is actually going to be able to get into the, the cellular environment, the endogenous cellular environment, to, to get the water into the cell and into the interstitial fluid within the fascia, you've got to break up the fascia first. Um, so how would you do that? Well, that's when the, the yoga comes into it. Um, so you're also a yoga instructor, right? Yes, yeah. So I, I'm a yoga instructor, and the optimal health model, um, the acronym is OM. So to a lot of yogis, this will resonate, and there's also a couple other cool things about the acronym we'll, go, we'll talk about later. But um, when you breathe efficiently, you expand the inside of your body. Most of us aren't. We're, we're extremely dysfunctional breathers as a society, as a, as a species, because of the way we've, we've started to sit from a young age and wear restrictive footwear. Um, the footwear is, is, is massive because you've got this myofascial connection, so myo meaning muscle, fascia, connective tissue, that connects your diaphragm, your main breathing apparatus, to the deep arch of your foot and your, your plantar fascia. So as you start to mobilise and strengthen your feet, your capacity for taking a full expansive breath also goes up. And yoga began as a meditative process which was all about breathing. The asanas and the postures didn't come into it until later. And now we've got a lot of people doing yoga um, as a fad on Instagram, etc. But the breathing is kind of lost in translation. Whether the breathing is yoga. So it's all about the postures now versus the breathing, which is what it originally started on, right? Yeah. It's and kind of reversed. It is. And if you take a full breath, you know, you get this diaphragm. That just makes sense. Like, if you're trying to strengthen the body, you strengthen the big muscle in the middle. Your diaphragm, huge, Your right? diaphragm, you know, sitting underneath the lungs. And as you teach that muscle or, you know, reawaken that muscle to be able to contract, and extend down the body, which is helping to expand the lungs. You know, the stronger the diaphragm is, the more oxygen can be drawn into the lungs. Naturally, that process uh, decompresses your spine, neutralizes your hip and shoulder girdles, um, and effectively, it starts to heal the body. And this is where it, it, it gets pretty deep, because, you know, biogen, big pharma company made $12.5 billion in revenue, um, charging $750,000 this last year um, per treatment for spina bifida and muscular dystrophy, spinal cord defects, where the the neural impulse or the electrical signal from the spine is getting stuck. It's it's not going all the way down. And 
that's because the spine is so severely compressed because the breathing is so um, dysfunctional you know the message just isn't getting down as you learn to you know, expand your diaphragm get this thing strong it um, it fills up your intra-abdominal cavity which is think of a balloon on the inside of your body it's your intra-abdominal cavity nobody's expanding it um, as much as they can and then you think about the, the laws of fascia if you haven't expanded the intra-abdominal cavity for you know one, two, three decades, you've been sitting for a while, then it's not just going to happen overnight. It's going to take a fair amount of practice and you know, you know, conscious application of trying to figure out and try to get that sensory awareness back in your, your diaphragm to be able to fill up that balloon. I'll give you a little demo. Like, What does this sound like? There's a big inhale in the mouth but yep. it actually kind of sounds like a balloon yeah, yeah okay because it is <laughs> and in that in that moment I created pressure down into the depth of my my hips the depth of my pelvic floor which you know decompressed my spine and you can feel it like you feel your body relax and you feel your mind kind of mind body and soul synergize so so coupled with your with your breathing stuff, mm. which obviously is what you've kind of built, built the foundations, getting back to some of that breathing, opening up your chest cavity, um, you know, training that big muscle, your diaphragm. What sort of, so then you've... you've so the optimal health model, so yeah. So then you've basically brought that into as yeah. the foundation of your optimal health model with, like you've been mentioning, um, you know, 10 different exercises within five different sort of regions. Yes. And strengthening and stretching and things like that. And like yes. I've been doing a few of them with you the last couple of weeks and it's been really... An interesting experience. Some of the sensation that I've. Mm -hmm. It's not of, pain. It's just sensation. Yeah, well, like <laughs> not all of it is pain either. Like there's been some interesting sensations, like doing an exercise, but then immediately following that exercises, like I found of experienced like a lot of like heat mm -hmm. coming into the body, mm -hmm. and things I can like physically feel things, like, especially my shoulders, like feeling them sort of drop back and down mm. and relax in that area around my neck. You know, that's start to feel. Release. neutral or optimal again you find what posture is you start to feel it and the sensory awareness is a big part of um, your progression in the optimal health model it's, and it's, pretty, it's just pretty cool to kind of go into what, like one session we spent maybe 20 minutes right mm. and that afternoon I'm sitting there going well actually fuck like mm. I can feel this difference still tip of the iceberg hours later so um it's a big iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty um, powerful stuff when you get into it, right? Yeah. So, do you want to just kind of run through for our listeners um, how, kind of, what it is, you set yeah. the optimal health model up in the different regions and sort of exercises that you're doing? Yeah. Um, and we'll maybe link through some information sort of to your yeah, cool your site and so there's some videos or something that you've got going on or whatever you yeah, have yeah. Most to help them kind of get involved and try this out at home. Yeah. Okay. So first. Um, for the listeners at home, you've got to you've got to know what the core of the body is. And that's an interesting question when you ask strength and conditioning coaches. People say the abdominals, or um, you know, the torso, the the midriff of the body, and they're all kind of they're all correct answers. The thing I'm saying is that everybody is right. It's just you've got to connect all the dots to understand the big picture. Um, so, the the true deep core explained in Anatomy Trains. The author is Thomas Myers, who's um, 
the, the leader of our time in terms of fascial research and understanding shows that there is a myofascial connection, muscle, connective tissue, that connects your cervical neck flexors, so the muscles in the deep front of your throat and neck, down through your diaphragm, your main breathing apparatus, so remember this, cervical neck flexors, diaphragm, number three is your pelvic floor. The muscles... Uh, so they're all connected by yeah. myofascial tissue. Yeah, all connected. Uh, that's, that was three, and then your adductor magnus, your inner thigh muscle, is a big part of the true core or the deep core in the body. Adductor magnus connects down through your tibialis posterior into the arches of your feet. So that's through sort of the inner thighs, down the front of your shin, mm-hmm. and then into your feet. Yeah, or um, behind, behind the shin. So behind the shin Yeah, bone, behind yeah. the tibia, yeah. yeah. Um, and then down into the arches of the feet. So if you remember those five regions, your deep neck, diaphragm, pelvic floor, inner thigh slash adductor magnus and arches of the feet. Five regions that are all connected via this this fascia. Mm-hmm. Now fascia has just been proven to be the biggest sensory organ in the body. More so than our skin. Sensory That's interesting. Yeah. It's how long it's, how long ago was that? This I learnt that midway through twenty seventeen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind so of that's pretty a, sort of new up-and-coming research yeah, stuff. Yeah, and there's there's a few people talking about it, but when when you connect the dots, it's like oh, like we need all of our kids learning this from a young age because it's um, I think it's kind of it's it slaps you in the face. It's like why doesn't everybody know this? Yeah. Why like okay, what's your core? This is your core. If you think of um, so that, so sort of five regions is what the the optimal health model is. But that's your core that you kind of build and work off. Yeah. Your and diaphragm is a part right? of it. You know, your diaphragm is your breathing. Your breathing is your core. Your breathing is your posture. It's your balance. It's the sensory awareness that we have lost. But then that also starts, you know, right away from where you're grounded on the floor with your feet. Yes. And the stability and control all the way up, right the way to controlling your head. Like, you know, you think about little babies. Yeah. They can't sit up and they can't control their head and it flops around type thing. Um, and then as you grow and you learn and develop that control. Yeah. And babies moving is amazing. You, you watch a baby rolling around and you see how they get up. The They're, mobility, yeah, it's yeah. pretty impressive. Um, so you've got these five regions, right, for mm. your optimal health model. And so then, you know, how, how do you go about, like... What strengthening do you, or... Strengthening and stretching and, yeah. you know, sweet, I know these five regions, what's the next sort of step? Mm. Yeah, so throughout my um, development, something I've realised within the realm of training the body and... Um, yeah, learning different um, things within the medical model is that you need to find balance. You need to find uh, optimal. You know, neutral is optimal most of the time, whether it's your 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 pH level or your spinal alignment or position of your pelvis. You want to try find neutral because that is optimal. Mm-hmm. That is posture. So. Coming from a strength and conditioning background where it's all about getting athletes stronger and a yoga background where it's all about getting people mobile, I've figured out that you need both. You need balance. And if you, you've, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you are not balanced. If you continue to strengthen, you will start to get um, certain layers and areas of fascia to become very fibrotic. And if you continue to do yoga with 
um, you know, focused on the asanas and not as much the breathing, you're probably going to disconnect um, a lot of your sensory awareness and become too mobile in some areas. So as we go through the optimal health model, it's all about strength, mobility, strength, mobility, climbing up the ladder one by one. Most people will either be very strong or too mobile in one of the, the five regions. So the 10 exercises is effectively one strength exercise and one mobility exercise for each region. The cervical neck, diaphragm, pelvic floor, adductors, and arches of the feet. We start with the arches of the feet because we've been wearing shoes for into your age. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you know, pretty much since you are born. Mm-hmm. Little mini shoes go on. Yes. You see the little baby ones, the eight inch yeah, Nikes. Kicks. And, and, oh. and I remember thinking, so oh, I can't wait to get my kids some kicks. And now I'm like, I can't wait to have my kid in bare feet. Because <laughs> my sister's just had her, her first. And um, William is walking around for these kicks. And you kind of doesn't look coordinated he looks like he's he's only just started walking but you take the shoes off and he, like you see him understand his body more yeah it's just more sensory sort of information for them isn't yeah. it yeah but so so you start with the arches of your feet so you're looking at stretching and strengthening mm -hmm. through there yeah and the toe squat oh so the toe squat so that's your stretching the arches of your yeah, feet that's the mobility yeah and then the strengthening side of that is it's, it's called standing posture. It's effectively learning how to stand. Uh, you're in bare feet. You have a few cues about how to tilt the pelvis, slightly posteriorly pelvic tilt. So imagine tucking your tailbone underneath. That's a very common cue in a lot of yoga. And then applying force um, through the feet, pushing outwards. Imagine uh, trying to crack the ground in between the feet you'll feel your gluteus medius or your main uh, muscle that stabilizes the hip quite high up on your hip begin to fire and then you you practice your breathing in that position as you continue and when you get the the position right it may take um, you know two weeks to a month to really start to figure it out depending on how much you practice but the body starts to shake you feel the connection because you're conscious of it now you've seen the picture and you're conscious of the feet through the adductors, pelvic floor, diaphragm, cervical neck, and as you connect all the dots, the body starts to shake, and your nervous system starts so, to reconnect. So what's that? What's that? Your body telling you something? Yeah, it it is effectively your your body reawakening. It's 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 retuning itself and realizing, oh, like standing is hard. Standing properly is hard to have all the right muscles engaged after sitting for so long. It's like oh. My body's like shaking. Yeah, okay. So it's kind of all those muscles kind of being reawakened and reused and sort of retrained. Yes. Cool. And, and so then as we come up the body there. We go up to the adductors. Now, an interesting thing. So that's your inner thigh. Yeah, the inner thigh. The biggest core muscle in the body, which is, you know. Bigger than diaphragm? Yes. Per surface area, it's the biggest, uh, it's the second biggest muscle in the body. Your gluteus maximus is the biggest surface area but your adductor magnus is effectively your biggest core muscle adduct yourself <laughs> now as you go up through the the different regions part of the game is or you know the puzzle is trying to have all other regions engaged you may be focusing on the arch of the feet or the adductors or 
the deep neck, but at all times, every exercise is implementing every other exercise. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, you know, it's a system mm. within a system, right? Yeah, it's, you're trying to connect those five regions at all times via your breathing. And so when you do start making that connection where everything's sort of firing and working together, mm-hmm. and is that what you're saying to achieve sort of that optimal health? Yeah. And you can and you I, I think eradicate some of that pain and some of those issues like you were talking about when you were 13, you know, yeah. get that breathing in tune and all those muscles firing and working, yeah. and the pain starts to go away, right? Yeah, most definitely. That lower back pain yeah. that you've been experiencing disappears. Whether, whether you were doing this for rehabilitation from the lower back pain you suffer from sitting in the office chair, or you're doing it for injury prevention, that if you're if you're an athlete, or for instance, if you are in the hospital bed um, and you've been suffering for a long time, you can start by breathing, and that's what you do. You bring a bit more conscious um, awareness to how you're breathing. And you try to get this diaphragm muscle to wake up, mm-hmm. and that's that's step one. And as you get a little bit stronger. You learn how to draw more oxygen into your body. We start tapping into the physiology of this whole thing. Your oxygen is the fuel source for every cell bar two in the body, excluding your plasma and red blood cells. Uh, As you you teach your body to get more of this oxygen in, not only does your body get more efficient at extracting the oxygen and actually transporting it to whatever cell, organ, that you, you you know, your body needs it to go to, um, but you feel an increase in mental cognition. You feel... So some mental clarity, some mental sort of yeah, performance. Yeah, you start to... So you're more productive at work. You're a bit more optimal. <laughs> you start to optimise... Comes back to that, eh? Your different... <laughs> every part of your life. So, so we've got that sort of toe squat and your um, sort of standing in that nice strong stance getting those abductors firing mm-hmm. all your feet sort of ground and everything and then we're coming up and you work through I remember working through you with some um, cat cow sort of exercises mm-hmm. cat cow's a big one the cat cow is if you've seen the yogi start it's pretty much on your hands and knees and as you breathe in you're allowing your, your lower back to arch your rib cage and belly naturally expands and you're extending the front of your throat up to the sky, so that's when you inhale. You're making that big U-shape. Mm, yeah, big U-shape in your spine. Breathing in the nose at all times, in and out the nose. Mouth is made for eating, nose is made for breathing. Remember that. Uh, and then as you exhale with the cat cow, it's the opposite. It's a tuck of the tailbone, a lifting of your, your abdomen, your belly button up towards your spine, and a tuck of the chin. So it's making that. So I've always imagined like someone has a little hook through my belly button and mm. they're pulling it back up towards the roof. That's a good cue. And so it's like your belly button is almost like your umbilical cord is being pulled in the reverse direction mm. Mm. towards the roof to drive everything up and yeah. sort of you know, push your shoulder blades up and everything goes yeah. away from the floor into yeah. like a big end, like an, you know, yes. that nice little arch shape. Yes, and it's your... Uh, this is very big for the pelvic floor. Um, so that's all your postnatal, yeah, yeah, postnatal mums. Exactly, man. I've been doing a kind of a, a new mother's wellness initiative, and the cat cow is a big part of it because, um, you know, the muscles on the base of your pelvis, your pelvic floor, stabilise your hips. You know, you don't realise this, but your hips actually kind of either rotated laterally or forward or back from the years of sitting, and you, you're more twisted 
than you could imagine. Mm -hmm. And as you start to do the cat cow and you get a bit more you know, sensory awareness with these deep muscles, as you exhale, you think about lifting the toilet muscles. So you're not only holding the, the urine in, you're holding the number two and you're lifting everything. The front, back, left, right of the base of the pelvic floor, you're lifting up all the way into the rib cage almost it feels like. And that is naturally how the body should be um, activating when you're exhaling. Okay. And I, I, I advise people to, you're learning how to exhale before you learn how to inhale. Yeah, well, it's the same thing for like asthmatics, right? Mm. Is when they have an asthmatic attack, usually it's about the exhale and getting mm. all the air out because your body has that reflex which gets the air in. More in. The more you can get out, it creates intradiaphragmatic pressure and then. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, the urge to breathe is, you know, that reflex is pretty strong. So if you can get all the air out, then mm. you're pretty confident that the body just kind of naturally will get air back in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, re I remember working with an asthmatic in the gym. And they had an asthmatic attack and they didn't have their inhaler and so uh. they work on using the paper bag so they could visually see mm -hmm. air going in and out and then all they were doing was just trying to breathe out as long as possible and you watch them eh? it was pretty scary um fortunately they're okay we got their emergency inhaler it's good to hear um but you know watching them sort of struggle through it and they're breathing out and the pressure comes there and then it's almost like you imagine someone coming up from the air after being mm. held under the water and mm. they're like <sighs> their it, whole face is like breathing eh? eyes are big it's, and stuff it's it is the epicenter of human function it's a it's an intense experience when you get it like that um yes so you're kind of going through that so you've gone up you're moving up the body now mm. we're coming up into your sort of diaphragmic region mm. through that cat cow exercises mm -hmm. and then we're coming up to that I guess this, the cervical neck region, yes. that sort of front of your neck. The, the chin tuck. The which chin is, tuck, okay. Tell that, me a little bit more about that one. This is the strengthening exercise for the deep neck. Effectively, you're lying on your back. You're tucking your chin as much as you possibly can. Give yourself you know, a triple chin, quadruple. <laughs> no troubles. You're pushing your, your chin down as much as you can, and then you clench your jaw. So it's not as maximally as you can, but it's about you know, 75, 80%. Clench your jaw. Then push the tongue up to the roof of your mouth. Your tongue is a deep core muscle as well. So there's three cues. Tuck your chin, clench your jaw, push your tongue up to the roof of the mouth. You're trying to see if you can get the entire back of your neck flat on the ground, keeping that chin tucked. Then you start to reach your shoulder blades down the body. You engage your inner thighs. You engage the arches of the feet. You're breathing slowly deeply five seconds in five seconds out every time you exhale you're feeling that pelvic floor lift and as you inhale you relax you're expanding then to engage the chin tuck you lift the back of the head a micro millimeter off the floor you, as small as you can keeping that chin tucked and you'll feel the muscles in the front of the neck start to fire and if you're doing it right the body will start to shake so again, that's the same sort of shaking you experience in that standing posture. Yeah, especially when you're getting all five regions turning on at the same time. Like that's a lot of sort of activity happening. Yeah. A lot of um, neuromuscular sort of connections going yeah. on and things yeah. like that. It's, it's, a, it's a mental aspect of training that people don't really think about. And so, so I guess it's one of the like underlying things, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's one of the underlying things is that connection with all your 
neurons in your brain mm-hmm. firing those muscles in the right sort of sequence and order mm. and when you start to actually have it happen in the right sequence and order that's when you start to sort of I guess dissipate pain that you're experiencing or yeah. realign yeah. the body and, and it actually get... starts to fix your, your shit <laughs> it fixes your your, your posture and as you start to mobilize the stuck layers of fascia and release the tension in the lower spine the lower back pain goes away um, and it won't happen overnight cool but it um it does happen. <laughs> so if we, if we work through, like, for example, you know, as a plan for someone who might be experiencing some lower back pain or stuff, you'd work through, say, these sort of five regions, ten different exercise strengthening, stretching and strengthening at each one. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of how much time commitment is that for someone, like, on an average day? Mm. The cool thing is, you know, initially, it'll take maybe, you know, you could go through things in 45 minutes to an hour and get people starting to think about these regions. But the cool thing is, when you go back and you sit on your chair and go back to work at the office, you can do that chin tuck. Yeah. You know? So these are just little things you yeah. can kind of implement throughout the day. It's, it's the little habits and the little cues that will naturally start arising in your day-to-day activities that accumulate. So things like when you're just standing there waiting in line at the bank. Or Shoulders down, you, tuck your chin. You can have that little Find momentarily that. sort of thought process and get that posture in there. Yeah. And same when you're sitting on your chair and stuff. Yeah, you, cool. you have a little bit of a moment where you're focusing, you're conscious of how you're breathing. So it's almost more like we need to learn these different postures and how to engage the different parts of the body, and then it's just more about from there implementing throughout the day. Yeah, yeah, and you know, for instance, if you did five minutes at the start of school, primary school, whatever, it adds up. Yeah, so it's, just, it's the exact same thing sort of we work with our nutrition clients on, right? And yes. Small little daily actions. Little habits. Done consistently. You know, over time build up into quite big snowball effect, sort of um, momentum and result. Mm. Bioaccumulative. Bioaccumulative, that's a good word. Um, yeah. So I guess the kind of last thing is, you know, if someone's listening and they want to kind of touch base with you or mm-hmm. learn a bit more about this, where are you? What are you on at the moment? Like, what's the best place to get hold of you type thing? Look up the Optimal Health Model on Facebook. So you're on um, Facebook, Optimal Health Model. Yeah, the, the web design's underway, so we're about to get that started up. So Facebook's the sort of go-to for the moment? Um, for the time being. And then from there, like, basically just, you know, you've got a few things on your Facebook feed I can see and stuff like that. Um, mm. So just jump in. Yeah, flick me a message. Go to um, Yoga Athletic Science, which is also a bridging Instagram page. Uh, effectively going through a lot of the stuff we talk about in the Optimal Health Model, but taking it a step further. Cool. So, so, yeah. that, so what's the name of that Instagram page? Uh, yoga Athletic Science. So Yoga Athletic Science, if you want to go a little bit deeper, yeah. um, or just the Optimal Health Model on Facebook. Yes. And so cool. That's um, awesome, man. Thanks so much for your time, Fraser. Hey, likewise, Dan. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Charge Health Podcast today. Here's a couple of ways where you can get involved and get some help with your health and nutrition. Follow us on Facebook at Charge Health or on Instagram at Charge Health as well. Head on over to our free Facebook group, the Charge Health Support and Success Group, or send me a message and we'll get it back to you with our free five-day video course.